0: Yes, there we go. Well, welcome to Wednesday night worship. I'm excited about our time together tonight. This has almost turned into a mission celebration service tonight, the way everything is everything is unfolding. Um, and it's a mission celebration service going right toward a altar call at the end. Tom says so. We're excited about that. Nothing should propel evangelism like missions, so and vice versa. But. Those two uh, we're able to celebrate tonight. We have a couple of guys that play on the Ambassadors baseball team who are going to share with us just in a few minutes. One of them got caught up in one of the mini wrecks on I-35. He wasn't in the wreck; he just got caught up. Jim and I were in downtown Oklahoma City and looked at the Google map and it was that wrong color of red on I-35. And we're like, we're going around that. So, uh, so anyway, those guys will be here. Uh, hopefully they'll be able to share. We have a couple already that are here. So they're going to say something. Before that happens, uh, I want to tell you that we went this afternoon to see uh, Robert Collier, Dr. Collier. Many of you know he's in the hospital at St. Anthony downtown, not doing well. He's just, uh, and it's happened quite suddenly. I mean, he was in the memory care unit, but within the last 36 hours, he's gotten really bad off. So Jim was able to pray over him and uh, just continue to pray pray for their family. Uh, Maureen was able to come and see him, you know, and her understanding of who he is and interacting isn't always great, but they said she was very encouraged just being able to come and, and see him in the hospital, even though he's not responsive right, right now. So just pray for him. Um, Stu sent me a text message earlier that he and Debbie weren't able to be here tonight, but. They are going, Stu, their ministry, they're going to Honduras leaving this Sunday for a mission trip. So pray for Global Harvest, pray for Stu as he travels to uh, Honduras beginning this Sunday for one of their mission trips, uh, being, able to, being able to pray for them. Anything else you all know of right now, things going on? Yes, let's hear it. That's great. So Scott? Raper was able to have his uh, hip surgery that he thought he was going to have a week ago or two weeks ago, and it just postponed twice. Third time's the charm, though, so we're glad about that. Yeah, we're glad
1: about that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is
0: Rhonda Thompson, okay Okay, okay, huh, yeah, I know, thanks for that update. I know yeah people will connect. okay, yeah, I know many of you will know them and be able to reach out to them, so also, oh sorry, oh yeah, uh Jeremy Russell. Uh, his sister passed away this afternoon, so she's been through a lot of a lot of struggles, and uh, it's been a been a lo- lot of hard years. But she passed away this afternoon, so pray for Jeremy and Sally and their family as they they care for them. I guess we don't know anything about like where she is in terms of uh, funeral or yeah. If you haven't seen Miss Kathy in a long time, it's because she's been caring for her, her sister. So we miss having Miss Kathy around. She brings a lot of joy uh, and spunk and funny jokes and all kinds of stuff to us. So <laughs> That's great. Also, uh, before the ambassador guys share, uh, after I pray, Fashid's going to come up and tell you just, he's going to give you the short version of his recent trip that he was able to take and tell you a little bit about that, give you an update on that. So let me pray for us. We're gonna do a couple of mission reports and then Tom is going to preach for us after that. Father, thank you for the gift of gathering as your people that our hope is in you. Our hope is in Christ as we're gonna hear from your word, what that means, how that impacts the way that we live. There's an eternal hope, but there's also that living hope uh, that guides our lives even right now as we read about in First Peter. and Father, thank you for your grace in our times of need. These families that are suffering because of loss in their family or things that have happened with surgeries, God, we pray for them. Uh, for, for Rhonda, she's facing chemo again and for their family and their connection with Emmaus. God, thank you for Tom and Linda. God, thank you for their legacy of faith that stretches back. Uh, generations and stretches forward even now. The impact that their lives are able to have and their family, God, we thank you for them and and the opportunities you've given them and the way you're still at work in so many ways uh, through their family, through them as a couple. God, thank you for the example they are and for him having a chance to share your word and uh, share about mission work as well with us tonight. God, thank you for the ambassador baseball guys and the ministry they've had this week with the camp and all the work they put into that. Father, thank you for Fashid and his Uh, friendship and partnership in the gospel, and God, thank you for him and his family. In Jesus' name, amen. That is good background music for a prayer right there. That's amazing. Good job. (laughs) I knew i need to wrap that up fast, but I was like right in the middle of it, so, oh, that's too good. Where's Jeff Meyer with the ESPN song when you need him for the phone to go off, so. All right, Fashid, you get to follow that your Your turn so come on uh tell people uh tell people where you've been for the last few weeks, kind of what led to that trip, and then maybe just uh a couple of ways that we can continue to pray for you so
2: thank you lord uh, yeah it was it was such a great blessing I mean we went to Turkey and uh, uh in Turkey north of Turkey by the Black Sea, small city of Samsung we were there for the conference we had a four days conference over there. And before getting to there, I get to see my mother after 15 years. And that was a wonderful moment. I planned a lot of things for it. None of it happened. <laughs> I mean, I planned that I'm going to give the camera to my wife. She's going to record it. I'm going to hug her. I'm going to talk with her. None of it happened. We just saw each other, hug each other, and started crying. That was a wonderful moment. And then... Uh, I met my brothers, uh, one of my smallest brothers. He managed to come. and uh, He gave his heart to the Lord. So he was one of the persons that I baptized in Black Sea. Uh, we had salvation. Another person came just like that. She didn't ever never planned. She, she didn't know what's going on. She just knew that she has to be there. So she came and we shared the gospel. We had a wonderful... Uh, people that joined us in a conference. uh, We planned the conference for 15 people, but the last day we had 30 people. So we had a lot of uh, opportunities, and and we worked with the local church. So everything that we did, it was with them, and they're going to continue to do what we have left. And also after that, we got to go to Greece, In Greece, uh, uh, the plan was to encourage the refugees and the campus and the people that are living in refugee campus over there. It turned out very good. I mean, uh, Lord was just in work, and I'm going to share all the details later. But I'm so thankful to be able to be there and to be a representative from Amos and Anderson Hills. Lord is blessing, and he's in work, and I'm so thankful to be part of it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for
0: seeing. Love you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> All right, guys, come on, tell us a little bit about uh, Ambassadors Baseball. Today, they're, they're in the middle of a three-day camp with the kids out at Buck Thomas. Um, we've had well over 100 kids, and the heat index was well over 100 degrees. So uh, it's, been, it's been intense. You guys share with us a little bit about what you guys do and what, what you want the church to know.
3: All right, uh, hello guys. Uh, my name's Sean Booth. I'm from Mangum, Oklahoma. I am a catcher and a DH for the Oklahoma City Ambassadors. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to Dr. Harvey and uh, his family. He is my host, my host home this summer, so I get to stay up here and play baseball and uh, share the word with others. Uh, first, I want to tell you the story about Justin David Sullivan. He was a baseball player out of Yukon High School. Uh, Two thousand two was his senior year. He was a Val Victorian of his class. He was a great guy. He was a great boyfriend to his girlfriend, a great son. Uh did all the right things. Uh Justin was a great man and he had offers to go play at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Rice. Uh he's gonna plan on going to Rice to be a surgeon. That's how smart and how talented he was at what he did. And uh on June 2nd, 2002, Justin uh, was named Oklahoma State Player of the Year. So that's the highest honor you can get in the state of Oklahoma as a baseball player. That's what uh, a lot of major leaguers that come from Oklahoma get that get that award. And so one day he had it all going for him. And in June the next the following day, he's coming down the interstate, and in the back axle of a tractor trailer bounces off the highway. Coming over to his side, bouncing at him, and he had three options. eyewitnesses say he had three options he could have took it head on, and he had his girlfriend and his best friend in the pass girl girlfriend in the passenger seat and his best friend right behind her. He could have taken it head on and killing all all three of them He could have swerved away, which is the human instinct would be, killing his girlfriend and his best friend but Justin was a catcher. We like to say he was blocking till the end and he swerved into it and took all the impact on himself and killed him instantly. But his girlfriend, his best friend left the scene of just scratches. So that kind of, that's kind of testimony of how just who Justin was. But we know Justin was, is in heaven today because, not because he's Val Victorian, not because he's a great baseball player, not because how smart he was. We know he was in heaven uh, because six months prior, Justin. His mom gave him a journal, and in that journal, from January 1st till the day he died, he was in the Word of God every single day, writing his triumphs, writing his uh, his battles in daily life, uh, writing his temptations, and he was praying with God every single day, talking, walking with the Lord every single day, and we know he's in heaven today because he is he was with, had a relationship with Jesus Christ, and uh, so we kind of we play in honor of him. This is a memorial team, and we like to follow the example of Justin. And his journal was turned into a eight eight week devotional uh, by Chris Wall. Uh, he's a preacher here in Oklahoma City, and he's now in Owasso. Uh, his turned by Chris Wall and Lee Tunnel, the Cincinnati Bull, Cincinnati Reds bullpen coach, founded our organization. And he was looking to make a summer league team for eight weeks. And Chris Wall was like, that's funny, because I'm looking to make an eight-week devotion. So we uh, it's funny how God works in that way. And Oklahoma City ambassadors were formed right then. And uh, I just want to tell that story with you all. That's what we tell after all of our games. We uh, sit down with the other team. And we tell that story, we pray with them, and uh, we try to do the best we can to show Justin's example through what we say. And afterwards, we gave him these bracelets like I have in my hand. Uh, Justin's grandpa, after every game, uh, he would, or not after every game, <laughs> after Justin passed away, he uh, took all of his practice baseballs and cut the seams out of them and made them to bracelets. And he gave them to all of the influential people in his life, and this is obviously a replica. There's only about 15 real ones, but we like to give that to all the team just so they remember us and can pray for us. Uh, Caleb is a ambassador. Come up. He's gonna give his testimony for y'all.
4: Uh, Hi guys, Uh, so my name is Caleb Jansen, and uh, this is my first year to play with the Ambassadors. I just graduated from uh, Christian Heritage Academy in Dell City, and I'm going to uh, play baseball with Sean at Oklahoma Christian in the fall. Uh, So my story is, um, uh, I was my dad's a pastor, he planted a church about eight years ago, it's a small church in Oklahoma City called Crosstown. Uh, So I've been a believer my whole life, ever since I was a little kid, you know, I've been you know, taught the scriptures and everything, and uh, I, I can't remember the day that I actually, you know, made the decision to put my faith in Christ, because uh, I was real little and stuff, uh, but I continue, you know, to grow in my faith, and uh, when I turned 13, uh, my dad uh, took me through a baptism class, and uh, I learned about the scriptures and all that, and, and uh, got baptized on Easter 2014 uh, when I was 13, uh, and then uh, throughout the years, you know, I just, you know, continue to, you know, grow in my faith and, you know, grow closer to God. And one thing that I really struggled with was, um, my salvation and my testimony, because I was like, man, my testimony is kind of boring. Like, I, I don't really, you know, know what to sh- say. I've just always been a Christian and all that. And it, it led a little bit into some, you know, some doubts. And like, if it's this easy to be a Christian for me, like, what, what's the point? You know, like, like, this is kind of ridiculous. But then I, I was at, um, a youth evangelism conference in, uh, at Falls Creek, uh, it was in January, and the speaker there was talking about guys like me, guys who have a testimony of, I've always been a believer, and you know, this is weird, like, I, I don't, kind of start to lose faith a little bit because you don't have an interesting story, you know, and he said something that really like moved in me and uh, really changed my life kind of, he was like, your testimony is even more amazing. Than like those people who, uh, well, not even more amazing. They're all amazing, but it's even you know it's even more like powerful because it shows God's faithfulness your whole life. Like never once did He you know let you fall or anything like that. And and basically my testimony isn't anything about me. Isn't anything about I, what I went through. It's about what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. And so uh, through that it really you know cleared my mind and helped me realize it's not about me, it's not about what I go through in my life, What God uses that, but it's about what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross, and so, uh, you know, this this summer has been you know great for me in my life, it's gonna, probably going to be a part of my story for a while, because I've learned a lot about myself and, and my flaws, you know, being on a three-week trip with these guys every day, you learn a lot about yourself and how you work with other people, and so, um, it's been a great summer, and you know I really enjoyed growing close to God
5: and close to these guys, and so uh yeah I just you know a little about a little bit about these guys is you know they're going off to college and and um this summer, like Caleb said, has really taught them a lot. um they were just put through the gauntlet, is what I call it, um three weeks of on the road over twenty one days together um without a fight breaking out. <laughs> You know, um, that's pretty impressive. Uh, but it's the way these guys stick together, um, the way they played baseball, um, the way they had to fight and claw um, every day, um, to get up in the morning, um, to you know, go meet with um, underprivileged kids at an at a extended stay hotel and just play with them and love with them, um, and just travel from Oklahoma City to Georgia to Atlanta to Louisville to Cincinnati, To Cincinnati, where our bus broke down (laughs) because of coaches' mistakes. but um, And then to uh, Topeka, where we finished up before we came home. Um, It's a long three weeks. Uh, It's a long summer for these guys. They dedicated their summers to this, to be missionaries, um, to spread the gospel while doing something they love. And that's something we try to teach them, that it's okay to be a baseball player and a Christian, um, but we don't try to tell them that. You can be a baseball player, and then you can be a Christian. It's that you're a Christian that happens to be a baseball player, and and that's just something we try to teach them because in our world today, it you know people separate their lives and and try to you know say I do this, but then on Sundays I'm a Christian, and 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 that's that's not the way we want them to see it, and that's not the way it should be. And so um, as they go on into college, I I was fortunate to go to Oklahoma Christian and play there for um, four years, and. Um, these guys are a great example to step on that campus and um, continue with the baseball program there. And and we played really tough competition this summer, and that's how it should be, um, because we want to impact those guys that are going to go on major leagues. Um, we want to impact everybody, but we played some guys this summer that might end up there someday. So um, that's our vision, and that's uh, what we're trying to do um, each and every summer. And you guys have supported us, you know since I can remember. Um and it's been amazing to see uh, the support from you guys, especially with our clinic. Um we have one more day tomorrow. Uh but the kids that come out there um and you guys' support, we really appreciate that. So thank you. Appreciate
0: it. Peace Now
2: Everybody's ready to go home, right?
1: I think I'm on now. All right. Um, <clears throat> my wife will tell you that I don't need this. Uh, some of you that sit near me and Sunday will say that I don't need this, but they tell me I do. So you may want to turn the volume down on that, but uh, that's up to you all. Um, <clears throat> what I had what I had planned and what I have planned and what I'm going to share with you a little bit is actually dovetails very nicely with what's been shared so far. Um, the scripture verse that I chose for tonight is actually in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and it's about two-thirds of the, of the chapter. I'm not going to read all of that in the interest of time. I invite you to read it. I'm going to just give the first few verses and then you all can go from there and you know, as, as I get boring, you know, open your Bible and read, because uh, it doesn't ever get boring. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, read like this. Now, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and which also you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Lynn and I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip. Uh, we were gone about uh, 12 days, 10 days in Paraguay. We served in, for, in Paraguay for about 20 years. And so this was an opportunity to go back. Uh, we were with a medical missions team. Uh, there were 18 of us all together that went on the trip. Uh, Linda and I and two other people served as interpreters for the group. Uh, that was our role. Uh, Linda is a nurse, but uh, she didn't fulfill that role on the trip most of the time. Uh, during the four days of the medical part of the trip, uh, we saw 880 people. Uh, and there were four doctors that were with us, um, in addition to an ophthalmolog- ophthalmological surgeon, and he saw some people in that capacity. We had, you know, pediatricians, cardiologists. Uh, one doctor had been over a, on over a hundred mission trips. He's a, been a professor at Vanderbilt for 50 years. Uh, So, I mean, we had top-quality people that were with us. And then we had residents from the hospital that came. We started about 6.30 in the morning. They finished about 2.30 to 5.30, depending on how far out into the countryside we had to go. And then I moved over to the university, and I served as an interpreter because we had two OT uh, occupational therapists that went and... The university is in the process of just launching their occupational therapy program. There are 11 occupational therapists in the whole country. And uh, so they, they were excited to, hear, to see these people and hear what, what can happen. Um, we even met the minister, the, you know, kind of like the president's right-hand man who is responsible for all the disabled people. Uh, The programs for disabled people, so it was it was a neat time of of seeing what God is, how God can use these people, uh, and how what God has done in Paraguay, and that probably is the most important thing for me was seeing how God had used over the course of the years what had happened in Paraguay you know one of the things about the scripture verse is that it zeroes in on the fact that we are all born in sin you know Adam sinned started the snowball going downhill pretty fast and all of us fall into that category um, I was reminded that you know even If you don't believe that, I mean, some people say, no, no, I'm better. You know, I'm I'm better than Owen. (laughs) Come on, set the bar a little higher for me. (laughs) Uh, You know, and and therefore, if if God's going to let Owen in, he's got to let me in, right? Well, that's not the way it works. But down deep inside, we're all sinners, uh, I was reminded and what was of a time when I was in uh, in Paraguay and I was visiting in this home. And there was a, a young mother and she had a two-year-old and we were talking and Paraguayan homes are fairly at that time were fairly small and so the kitchen was you know it's kind of like a studio apartment. and. Uh, so she uh, she watches her 2-year-old and she tells her 2-year-old don't touch the oven. So the 2-year-old's playing, enjoying herself, and I'm watching the 2-year-old out of the corner of my eye. And I see her as the mothers engaged with me talking inching closer And closer to the oven. And then I watch her as she looks back at her mother to make sure whether her mother is watching her or not. And when she sees that she's not, and she burns her hand. God told Adam. You can eat any fruit in the garden you want just not this one because god loved adam that mom told the daughter not to touch the oven not because she wanted to punish her but because she loved that little girl and knew that if she touched that oven she'd get burned god knew that if adam ate of that fruit, not only he, but all of us would fall into those same kind of patterns of life, of sin. As a result, there's a a God-sized hole in each one of us that needs to be filled. And that's what this passage is about, how God has gone about filling that God-sized hole. Through Adam, sin came. Through Jesus, salvation came unfortunately we are built in such a way that we want to do it ourselves so we've gone through life all of us gone through life thinking that we know better than god and it you know even i grew up in the church too by the way my dad was a missionary my grandfather was a, a a deacon in a church and um, I was reminded, and I'm trying to remember this name, but uh, one of your executive secretaries of the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma was, my, was a, an elementary or an intermediate student under my grandfather and gave his life to Jesus under his tutelage. I've, I've got it written down someplace, and I'll, I'll remember it. Some of you all would probably recognize the name. But, you know, all of that heritage means nothing. And we, we try to claw through life, try to do what we can. As I was remembering my experiences in Paraguay, I remembered a time when my very first funeral in Paraguay. Um, we had started a little church on the... The north side of Fernando La Mora, which would be like, like Moore, is to Oklahoma City. I mean, It's just a, a, a next town over. And um, we were busy trying to evangelize that part of the city or the town. And there was a man that gave his life to Jesus and became part of our, our fellowship. And his mother died. He was the only evangelical Christian in his family so he invited me over to the funeral well funerals in Paraguay are different than funerals here Uh, they don't embalm and so the corpse has to be buried within 24 hours and so the family spent all night hovering around some of y'all may remember things like that I mean you know some people are young Like dub here he probably remembers something like that happening here even here in Oklahoma Uh, that may have happened to you and and so we came that night and we sat there all night long around the corpse Uh, the next morning the Catholic priest came in and did his thing and I tell you a lot, I tell you more about the story, but I've run out of time. So, we uh, we got ready to go, got us, and, and I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be doing there, frankly, other than just being there with my friend. So, we got out to the cemetery, which is not far away, and there was a there's a place in the front of all the cemeteries where they you can have a ceremony or a worship experience and so the the son asked me I want you to preach the gospel right here right now so you know being a good preacher I couldn't turn him down so I did I even gave a invitation nobody responded at that particular moment I'm hoping that somebody heard the gospel And then they carried the, the coffin to the place that was prepared. And as they lowered this woman's body into the hole, her daughters threw themselves onto the coffin. The men were lowering the coffin down, and they threw themselves in and kept hollering, Mama, Mama, don't leave me. Don't leave me. The men, the husbands and the brothers, had to pull these women off the coffin, and the women left claw marks in the top of the coffin as they were trying to hold on to this coffin. All of a sudden it dawned on me, that's called hopelessness. They had no hope whatsoever. Today would have been my my father's 91st birthday. My father died almost 40 years ago this last Easter, 39 years ago this last Easter. But I have hope. One day, we'll celebrate together in heaven. I'm not throwing myself on an empty coffin. There's nothing in that coffin for me. It's a shell. It was a shell of a body when it was put in there. There's nothing there now. Because he's in heaven. That's where my hope is. Unfortunately, we have a lot of people around us that don't have that hope. They live in that hopeless estate, even in a, you know, in kind of this, this. oh, I don't know what you call Oklahoma, but anyway, whatever Oklahoma is, where, I mean, I was sitting around at lunch today at at a little restaurant, three families around us were talking about church. I mean, you know, what world do I live in? The world I, I lived in before I came here was mirrored by, this, by a young lady, a conversation I had with this young lady, and I was asking her about her faith background, and she said, my grandmother attended church. And I did, too, when I was five with her. She has no Christian background whatsoever. And frankly, that's the growing population that we are faced with in America today Uh, we claim to be a Christian nation we never really were We we were a nation that had Christian influences but even those are going by the wayside our hope is found in Christ you know one of the neat things about Christianity is that of all the world religions and several years ago I had an opportunity to, to go to India. and I went to Hyderabad, up on this mountain, this temple. and they claim that India has that the Hindu religion has 365 million gods. It's kind of one of those things, if we forgot somebody, go ahead and let's do something because we just don't want to make we just don't want to miss out. So as I was walking up towards this temple, I saw this this shrine to Moses and to Jesus and I said, what's this? And they said, well, that's the temple to the Christian God. In case we miss something, we want to make sure that, you know. (laughs) And a few steps further up, I see this one, and it has Muhammad. I said, well, what's that's the temple to the Muslim God, you know, just in case. Well, just in case doesn't hack it. One of the things that I did in Paraguay before I left was I wrote a track Saturday is my birthday my dad's was today my birthday Saturday July is a a birthday month for my family I won't tell you all of the birthdays but almost every day in July has a has a birthday in my family Uh, some of them have two (laughs) Uh, and the track is called the gift Uh, neat the comments that you said about Jesus in 2,000 years ago because that's what I'm going to talk about as we close. I don't pretend that on a Wednesday night in Oklahoma that there's anybody here that hasn't made a profession of faith. But if you haven't, listen to what I have to say. If you have, listen to what I have to say and share it with somebody else. 2,000 years ago, Jesus bought a gift for me. He paid the price of my eternal salvation. It cost him his life. They nailed him to a cross. But while they were were nailing him to the cross, he was nailing my name to that same cross. Written on a little piece of paper that nobody can see, he wrote Tom Law. Now That was the gift tag for the gift that he had bought for me. Throughout all these 2,000 years, that gift waited for me. And he bought a gift for each one of you, too. And for those t- same 2,000 years, that gift waited for you. Now, I told you that Saturday is my birthday. You know, I, I, I'm convinced that my wife has bought me this really nice birthday present. Dream on, right? <laughs> I, you know my wife, Jackie. I, I, I don't know where. I've, I've looked upside and one side at the house and down the other, and I can't find it, but I know it's there. I know she wrapped it. Just really pretty. Put it, maybe even put a bow on it. I don't know, but my name is written on that gift. That gift doesn't belong to me. She bought it. She paid for it. She wrapped it. She hid it. It's hers. 2,000 years, Jesus has wrapped a present for you. And for 2,000 years, that present has been out there waiting because it's his. He bought for it. He paid for it. But come Saturday, she's going to pull that gift out and she's going to hand it to me. She's going to hold it out. I'm going to smile from ear to ear and just be all, all excited. But, you know, even when she reaches her hand out and holds the gift out to me, it's not mine. It still belongs to her. During these 2,000 years, Jesus has been holding the gift of salvation out to each one of us. Just like that gift on Saturday that I have to do something about, we have to do something. It's not until I reach out and accept that gift that it becomes mine. The gift of salvation isn't ours until we say yes I accept it. I accept what you've done for my life and how you changed it and how you want to change me as a result. One of the neat things about going back to Paraguay, and most of you don't have this experience because you are where you have always been. But I haven't been in Paraguay in 17 years. I haven't worked in Paraguay in over 21 years. The neat thing about it is those people that I invested in for 20 years in Paraguay and seeing how they've changed, how they've grown, and how God is using them. One of the first people that I ever baptized came up to me and gave me a big hug a young I knew her as a young five or six-year-old when we started this church on the north side of Sonanorte, Fernando La Mora she said pastor I think I was one of the first people you ever baptized and I said you were We went out into the middle of the Paraguay River And after we baptized, and I came back in, they asked me if the piranha had nipped at my heels, and I said, "Oh, there were piranha in there." They said, "Yes, there are. See over there." I hadn't, I didn't see them and didn't feel them. I'm glad that I wasn't aware. (laughs) (laughs) But now, twenty something years later, thirty, actually more like thirty something years later, after I. She now is a, a young professional, works in the Baptist Hospital, She's a leader. Her brother is the assistant administrator of the hospital. Other men that I invested in have become, one's of the executive director of the executive secretary of the convention, and another one wrote a law which, for the first time in history in 2002, allowed evangelical chaplains in the army up until 2002 you had to be a Roman Catholic in order to be a chaplain in the army now there's a young man I say young everybody's young (laughs) right—who who is a colonel about to get his general stars who is head of the evangelical chaplains and he has more than a thousand soldiers, evangelical soldiers that have given their heart to Jesus and share in the military barracks what Jesus has done in their hearts. These are some of the men that, and women that I, that I invested in, that I shared what Jesus had done in my heart and what he wanted to do in their heart. And they took that and now have multiplied it more than I ever could. And it's exciting to see how God can use things that we never even thought possible in such remarkable and exciting ways. If you haven't made a profession of faith, dub my teacher, my Sunday school teacher chides me because we never have an altar call. I invite you to come forward, and I will talk to you about what it means to be a Christian. The pastor's here. If you don't know me. Jim's back there. But if you've already made a profession of faith, I implore you today to commit your life, to recommit your life, to sharing the gift with those people around you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the gift. Of all the religions in the world, Christianity is the only one whose God left the wonders of heaven to humble himself as a baby To walk among us and to lay down his very life and sacrifice as a gift for us. To pay that price which now allows us to experience those wonders of heaven. Our hope isn't in what we can do, our hope isn't even in the heritage that we have. Our hope is in you, Jesus, and what you did one day on the cross of Calvary and how you've held that gift out over 2,000 years to each one of us, allowing us to accept you and then share that news with those around us. Help us, Lord, today to commit ourselves to doing that over and over and over again until everyone has heard your name and had an opportunity to accept the gift that you bought for them on Calvary. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you.